0: Welcome to the weekly message from Rhema Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au.
1: In Jesus' name, Father, we come to you. We're so thankful. Your word says whoever comes to you, you won't ever push us away so we just draw near no matter what the week has looked like no matter what we have felt like we're just so thankful that your invitation remains steady and constant you're always saying come here, come here to me and you're not drawing us near so that you can bat us upside the head you're drawing us up near so you can tell us things that will make a difference in our life Today. And so we do. We just come and we just trust that you have something that will help us in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, before you're seated, why don't you just look around uh, maybe three or four people? Don't take more than thirty seconds. I was about to say thirty minutes, thirty seconds, to be exceedingly happy to see somebody. Overwhelm them with hellos. Hello, hello, hello. Glad you're here. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Glad you're here. It's good to be in God's house. Nice that God is in the house. Aren't you glad that God comes to church? amen me too he's why we we are here together and i'm glad that he doesn't just live here he actually lives in you and that's why he's here we all brought him praise the lord um we're going to continue on with something tony's been for the last few weeks been tackling glad you ask and some different questions that uh, get asked and have been asked and come up to us and um so uh, I'm going to continue in that on this. I'm glad you asked. And here is a question that comes up, maybe not in these words, but it comes up uh, quite frequently. And so we're going to uh, just look and see what the Bible has to say about this. And the question is, if God is love, why do bad things happen? And maybe uh, uh, another version of that, if God is love, then why are there wars? Why is there murder? Why is there abuse? Why is there pain? Yeah, that's a good question. So, and there's heaps of opinions about it and all, but let's just look actually into the Bible because the Bible says the entrance of his word uh, actually turns the light on, gives light. So... We're going to start in Genesis, not turn there, but just refer to it. And we know Genesis, the first chapter, to be the uh, creation account. And it starts with day one of light. Before God did anything else, he turned the light on, just like you do before you go to cooking uh, for your evening meal. Uh, You don't cook in the dark. You turn the light on. And before God did anything else, he turned the light on. And so he started with light, and then uh, day two, day three, and and creation proceeded. And at the end of each segment of creation, he looked at it and said, Okay, you got it? Yay? It's good. It's good. At the end of creating on day six, uh, where he created man, He said something a little bit different. He added one word to that statement, and he said, it is very good. And creation of of man was actually his crowning creation. And one reason why is in Genesis, the first chapter in verse 26, it says, then God said, let us make man in our image. And so man was not made after the image of anything that was made any." of the other days. So we weren't patterned after fish. We weren't patterned after any other um, of God's creatures. They were beautiful in themselves. But when God made man, he didn't make them after the image of another part of his creation. He himself is the pattern. You are made in God's image, beautiful. But then it goes on to say this, according to our likeness, let them have dominion. Can you just say that word dominion? Let's go on to read, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Somebody said he gave dominion over creeps. Okay, that's a little weird, but anyway, he gave dominion. Now, this is something unique apart from And different than anything that was given to any of his creatures. He gave man dominion or supremacy over everything else that had been made. All right? Now go to Psalms 115 and verse 16. We're going to refer to this verse in a little bit. But I want you to notice, especially the second half. The heavens belong to the Lord. Look at this but he has given the earth to all humanity. The King James Version, I like it. Actually, it says he has given the earth or given to the sons of men the earth. So when he made man and he made man in his image, he gave man as a regent or as a governor of the earth who would rule the earth. Man was made to actually rule the earth under God's direction. So, if God is love and life and light, actually, through man then, God's nature and God's beauty would be uh, dispensed and brought about through man. That was his intention. Um that's not exactly everything that happened because God also in, in making man uh, made him a little different than the animals in this respect as well, that he gave man the right to choose. He didn't hardwire him with his will that man had to do whatever his, bid, his bidding was. He didn't make man a robot. He made him in his image and he made him with the ability to choose. We can see this in this aspect that he gave to man some direction and uh, a commandment and a direction to replenish the earth, to to have children and to take dominion over it. And then he gave him some parameters of, of what he could partake of and what he couldn't. And in that direction, it gives us the indication that man had a right to do it or not. Men, when posed with an option to make himself uh, the one that he would refer to, or he would just trust in himself and his own ability, he uh, submitted to a different this another influence that was introduced in the garden. We know it as a serpent in that creation story, or in that Genesis story. Jesus actually identified this personality as the devil, and when this happened, um, Adam and Eve then, um, they actually chose to go against God, and in doing so, they went against life. Can I look at, have us look at Romans, the sixth chapter, give us an aspect of what happened. Romans 6 and verse 16, it says, surely you know that when you surrender yourself as slaves to obey someone, you are in fact the slaves of the master you obey. So when Adam and Eve chose to not obey God, God being their master and having influence through them to the earth that man governed, when they chose to obey somebody else, that somebody else became their master. So some people say, I'm my own man. I can do what I want. You know, it's my, I'm my own self. Uh, this is my life. I can do what I choose. The fact of the matter is, is every one of us here were born of a mom and dad, whether you know them well or have fellowship with them or, or whatever. All of us that are living came to be by a, man, by a mom and a dad but there are, there's a spiritual father for every single person in the world. Being born gives us the opportunity for God to be our spiritual father. If he is not our spiritual father, then someone else is. We see this in Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter. We'll get real plain about this because Jesus was. 2 Corinthians 4 in verse 4 says this, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Now, Jesus, uh, I mean, the scripture here says that Satan is the, the God of this world. So that begs the question, I thought, God is God. God is God and sovereign over all. God is God and sovereign over all. But he gave the earth to man. And instead of God ruling through man the earth, and remember the question that we're answering, if God is God, if God is love, then why is all of these terrible things happening on the earth? God gave the earth to man, and man then has submitted to a different master other than God. And in so doing, it made then Satan the God of this world, and so the great influencer through man is no longer only God. The Bible calls Satan the God of this world. So what we have happening in the world and ugly things that happen, horrible things that happen, can never be said, well, it just must be God or uh, you know, what's wrong with God or he's, a, you know, what kind of a God is he that he would? It isn't him. It didn't originate from him. All right? So now the devil, Jesus calls him the devil, actually has influence through man because man has made him his master. and The devil then through man does different things on the earth. Jesus said in John, the 10th chapter, and verse 10, very plain. He says, the thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. He's real plain about it. Jesus identified not only just the personality, but the work of the devil. He's not not, uh, to be you know, excused or tolerated. Jesus had zero tolerance for him because he knew, even though he masquerades as an angel of light or something, he knew that the intent of the devil for every human being is to steal, kill, and destroy. There is direct oppression of the devil. Remember in the Bible when um, Jesus came across a woman, and the Bible said she was bowed together. And so basically if you would have seen her, pass her on the street, she would have been walking like this. I don't know if you've ever seen somebody like that. I know I have, walking together. Maybe it was an arthritic uh, condition in her spine or something like that, but she couldn't, the Bible said she couldn't raise up. And you know what Jesus said about that? He said, Satan oppressed her. He said, shouldn't this woman who Satan has oppressed? So what can we get from this example? And Jesus then um, made that oppression go, and the woman was able to stand up straight. Well, what we can see from this is the devil directly oppresses people. Just because you can't see the devil doesn't mean he doesn't exist. In fact, he hopes you don't believe he exists because then he can just have a party. But what the devil does is directly oppressed and sometimes uh, oppressed where he makes sickness come in people's body or oppresses their mind or oppresses their a relationship and there can be a direct oppression. But not only direct oppression, and we can see this through many, many, many examples in the Bible, but there's also indirect oppression. What do I mean by that? By indirect oppression, one of his... I think probably his most favorite thing is instead of just oppressing people directly, he indirectly oppresses them through other people. And so God, who made man in his image, and the devil who hates God, loves to still kill, and destroy anything that reminds him of God, and you do. He hates you. So he will look for any way to steal, kill, and destroy. He'll do it directly, but he'll get other people also to oppress one another. Even people who love one another. That especially makes him happy. To get, to get family to hurt one another. Mm. I remember Tony and I, um, this is back when we were living in Italy, and uh, they, um, we were invited to go to Poland to do a, a minister's conference there. And so uh, we went to Krakow, and Poland is beautiful. And so we did this whole conference. You know, it was so beautiful. It was in the winter time, but lo- lovely, wonderful place, and uh, lovely people. At the end, we had a couple days and, uh, you know, just to uh, relax and uh, do a little bit of sightseeing. And so they um, said, why don't we go to Auschwitz, the prison camp? And has anybody in here been to Auschwitz? Okay, we've got uh, maybe three people. It's probably not high on your list of places you want to go on your next holiday to go to a prison camp, you know. <laughs> Yeehaw! Anyway, so we went to this prison camp, and uh, we actually had to prep, prep the girls for it because... Um, You know, it's not like Disneyland. And the girls were quite young. um, And I think Anna was in grade one, and Lily was in um, grade three. So that's quite young to take. um, But I'm telling you, there were little kids that actually, younger than that, that were actually living in Auschwitz. And we told them that. So we prepped them for this really cruel, confronting thing that they were going to see, and sure enough, it was it was worse than we'd, you know, than you can imagine. And the whole the whole place still feels like death. It's just real creepy. And we were going from room to room and and you know different things that would happen in different things, the gas chambers and and they had a, a one room dedicated to suitcases, you know, all the suitcases and then the, the one really impacting to me, two rooms were just full of shoes, you know, piled high shoes and some little shoes just were baby shoes and oh, just you know just the reality of what happened in that horrible place and another room full of hair and then another room full of different things that they'd made with human skin and hair and it's just creepy, just awful. And uh, finally we ended the, the uh, awful tour at the gas chambers, or I mean the, the ovens, actually, where they uh, they actually, you know, uh, cremated people alive. And um, it was a terrible, terrible experience. And uh, our girls, very small, uh, were quite impacted, even though they couldn't hardly take it in in their mind, but they, they were just silent. We went back to the car and got in the car and were r- driving along, Lily was in the back seat, and finally she broke the silence. She she said, Mama, how can people be so mean to people? Yeah. So it was winter time, and we and it's in Poland, quite cold. We all had gloves and stuff. I got my glove, I put my hand in my glove. And I said, This glove is like like a person's body and the devil got in people's bodies and just did whatever he wanted to do and what he does is still kill and destroy so all of this awfulness Jesus said in John the 8th chapter and verse 44 he actually called the devil, the father of lies. And he said, you're of your father, the devil. And the things that the devil wants to do, he does through people. Again, answering the question, if God is a God of love, then why is all of this? Um... In thinking about um, the value of, of what people are to God, what God would do for his creation. You know, we just got through singing. This is amazing grace. It's a nice song. This is amazing love that he would take my place, that he would bear my cross. He would lay down his life, that I could be set free. It's a nice song, but it was what was required. It was what was required to break us out from under the tyranny, the claw of the, of the devil. Aren't you thankful that he did? That's why we have heaps of songs about it. And there'll be more and more songs about it because it's amazing. And it was what was required to have happen. Go back up to Psalms 115 and look at this. The heavens belong to the Lord, but he has given the earth to man, humanity. What do you know about heaven? What is it that makes heaven heaven? And heaven is a real place. What is it that makes heaven heavenly? Well, nothing bad is there. There is no death. There is no sadness. There is no crime. There is no sickness. There is no fear. There is no, there's nothing bad. There is nothing, the Bible says, nothing that hurts or destroys you know who is not there? He was kicked out of there a long, long time ago. He is not there. And the absence of his presence and the absence of any rebellion there makes heaven heaven. You know as good as I can, I do, that it's not, a, a mansion is not what makes heaven. There are people who live in mansions and experience hell on earth in a mansion. That's not what makes heaven heaven. It is the absence of that stealing, killing, and destroying. Now look at this verse and see, who does the heavens belong to? Psalms 115 or 16. The heavens belong to the Lord. You know why heaven is heaven? Not just the absence of the devil. It's because God gets his way. No one in heaven has ever said no to God. Not. No one in heaven has ever said, I'm not going to do what you want. I know your love. I know your life. I don't want your way. No one there says that. God gets his way, and that's what makes heaven heaven. Now look at the second part of the verse. The earth has he given to the sons of men, or to humanity. The reason the earth is the way it is, nobody can point a bony finger to the sky and say, why are things like this here? Now, there's a reason why things are the way they are on the earth. He gave the earth to us to govern, and we sold out. So Jesus did this amazing work to redeem us and to get us out of that line of influence and put us again under the influence of God. People just have to know it. That's why we preach the gospel and that's why there are ministers of the gospel. And I'm not just talking about pastors and prophets and, and you know people who minister in a church. I'm talking about anybody who belongs to God is a minister. Lay a hand on yourself right now. And say this I'm a minister. Everyone in here that Jesus belongs to you and you belong to Him. You're a minister. In other words, the will of God comes through you. The love of God comes through you. That song that we were singing about his goodness, about receiving, you know, about his goodness and mercy, follow me, and and every day and every night, his goodness, and I just receive it and all. The more we receive, the more we can give. In other words, God can influence the earth again through man. Through you, through me, through families, through, through friends, God can influence the earth. Now, something that Jesus, is said about Jesus is that he was with, in the beginning, with God as the word, but then the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. John, the first chapter, and verse fourteen says, "We beheld his glory, the the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth." And it says, "And of that fullness, we've all received. There was enough for everybody." Then it goes on to say in First John, the fourth chapter, and verse seven. You can write those references down if you like. First John four and seven says, as he is, so are we. So in other words, when you accept Jesus as your Lord, or you become a part of his body, a member of his family, a part of his body, as he is, full of grace and truth, so are we in this world. So we could say it this way. Christians, the body of Christ, the family of God, have this full of grace thing and it's beautiful. It's not condemning. It's not judgmental. In fact, in Matthew, the seventh chapter, if you'll look at Matthew, the seventh chapter in verse one and two, Jesus brought such different reality to the people uh, that he was talking to here. He said, judge not, do not judge others, and you will not be judged for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard that you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And these people had come from a, from a whole reality of do this, don't do this. And if people did what they weren't supposed to do and didn't do what they were supposed to do, the only thing there was, was left to do was judge it. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. And Jesus then brought this new reality and he said, don't judge. In fact, if you go back a couple chapters in Matthew, the fifth chapter, he said, bless people who persecute you. Bless them and don't, don't curse them. Pray for the people who curse you. That was really different. Now, let me ask you a question. Is that the only ministry that God has is one of mercy and grace? Is that the only part of God now after Jesus has brought this new, this whole new era, this whole new age? We call it the age of grace. Is there any justice now at all? Because after Jesus was judged for our sin, what about people who do wrong? Let me ask you a question. I don't know, did anybody, well, you, were the breath guys still taking breath on the way to church when you guys came to church today? You know, the policeman taking your breath. I'm happy to tell you, Tony passed the test on the way to church today. We can all be relieved. Praise the Lord passed the test on the way to church today, but let's say, you know, and and his all came up green and everything. Uh, When you're talking to somebody, you don't want a green cloud coming on, but when the guy is testing your breath, you want it green, let me tell you. But let's say it didn't come up green. Let's say it came up, what color does it come up if it's bad? Red? Red. Let's say Tony's breath was red. Ding, 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 red. So then, now what we do, now what, what's the right thing, is that the the policeman says, I have mercy on you. Yeah. That's okay. There's no condemnation. Yeah. Don't you wish that would happen every time you break the speed limit? Yeah. Let me tell you, I have never experienced that in Australia. So... Mm, yeah, what's with that? If this is all supposed to be mercy and grace and, and in the body of Christ is to give mercy and show mercy and grace and forgiveness, then what's this other group? And what about the, what about the justice part of God? Did that, did that go away at the cross, the ju- justice part of God? Did Jesus kill the justice part of God or absorb the justice part of God on the cross? No. The Bible says, I am God and I change not. God is just. But the mercy of God, the goodness of God, the kindness of God comes through his body as it did through Jesus. As he is, so are we. So are we, the body of Christ. What about Is this the only other way that God deals with things that are unjust? It's a good way. It's a good way, definitely a good way. It's wonderful when people who have hurt people, maybe not genocide, but maybe even just gossip, maybe just hurting people, uh, maybe abusive or other kinds of ways, When God changes their heart and they change, woo, and and swallows up their sin, woo, that's great. But what about the justice part? Let's look and see if God does something else. Go to 1 Timothy, the second chapter. I urge you, in verse 1, first of all, to pray for all people, okay? Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings. Hmm. In the same way, in all those prayers, supplications, intercessions, and givings of thanks. For kings and all people of authority. Why? Why do why should we pray? So we can lead a quiet and a peaceable life. Peaceable and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Hmm. Does it make a difference if we pray for kings and for all that are in authority? Yes, the Bible says the result of that is a a life of godliness and honesty. It doesn't mean that people are all Christian. It just means that there is a lifestyle of safety where the good people aren't afraid. Let's look at. Let's keep reading. But this is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. Living good, living nice, doesn't mean that you're saved, but it is a way and a means that God is able to demonstrate that He is just. I want you to see another verse of scripture in Psalms 10 and verse 18. It says, you will bring justice to the orphans and the oppressed so that mere people can no longer terrify them. What justice does is stop the wrong that is happening between people. I'm talking about not in the church sector. I'm talking about in the public sector, I'm not even just talking about a building. I'm talking about through the church. In the public sector, to stop the wrong so that people aren't oppressed anymore and people aren't terrified by other people. God set up a system of justice. And I want us to look at this system in Romans 13th chapter and verse 1. It says, everyone must obey the state authorities, Because no authority exists without God's permission and existing authorities have been put there by God. Whoever opposes existing authority opposes God, what God has ordered. And anyone who does so will bring judgment on himself. Judgment from God directly? No. Judgment, the justice that comes through these um, ministers of justice. For rulers are not to be feared by those who do good, but by those who do evil. Would you like to be unafraid of those in authority? Then do what is good, and they will praise you. I was so happy that Tony, uh, when that guy stopped him, he said, "Um, we need to check your breath, and Tony said, yeah, go ahead. He said, when was the last... And oh, when was the last time you drank? Did you drink last night? Tony said, no, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't done that in a long time. And um, he just said, yeah, let me do this. There wasn't like, ooh, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I <laughs> hope. You know how that hope, hmm. You have nothing to fear. But if you do evil, then be afraid of them because their power to punish is real. Power from who? Power from God to demonstrate that he is just. So the devil who influences people directly or indirectly through other people hurting each other That can stop by the power of the gospel changing people. It also stops through a whole other set of ministers in the public sector that may not even be born again. But they're God's ministers that if people are hurting one another, God has another set of ministers that says, that's enough. And it manifests the justice of God. Now go ahead and let's look at this. They are God's servants to carry out God's punishment on those who do evil. Look at the New King James Version of these two verses. This verse, verse five: For he is God's minister. <laughs> who thought of a lawyer as a minister? Or who thought of a policeman as a minister? Who ever thought of a judge as a minister? a lawmaker as a minister. We think, well, they're in the public sector. God calls them his ministers of his justice. Wow. At the same time, God's mercy and goodness and grace comes through his body, the church. And these two together, working in tandem together with His wisdom, brings peace and godliness to things that are chaotic and out of control. Praise the name of the Lord. says that he is his minister. If you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. He's God's minister avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Look at, look at uh, 1 Peter 2. Make the master proud of you by being good citizens. Respect the authorities, whatever their level. They are God's emissaries. They're not pests. They are God's emissaries. politicians, can be can seem to be problematic and disgusting, especially if they're not, if they're not good. And a lot of times we're very, very tempted to criticize them. One of the best ways to change things is in the, in the appropriate way. Vote right. Vote according to the, the, the things that are important to God. But also as the church we do what first Peter or first Timothy the second chapter says to do we pray Does it make a difference It must or God wouldn't have said to do it What would happen if we actually always did that If we empowered these people in the in these ministers in the public sector To maintain justice, lawmakers, law keepers. If we, as the body of Christ, prayed for wisdom for them, put up those five things that we can pray for them. Pray for wisdom from them, for them. Proverbs, the eighth chapter, says, It's by wisdom that kings rule. What if they don't have that wisdom? Well, they'll rule by something else then, by pressure. Let's ask for wisdom. Let's ask for for boldness. Oh, the devil hates the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He hates God's mercy and goodness and kindness. And I tell you what else he hates. He hates justice because justice says, stop with the killing. Stop with the hurting. Stop with the stealing, killing, and destroying. And he hates both, he hates all of God's ministers. So we pray. We pray for boldness for them. I know as being a minister in the church. It's important to have boldness. Sometimes with a message that God puts on your heart, and you look out, and sometimes there's looks on people's face like, "Shut up." <laughs> sometimes it's like, "I don't even believe." I mean, so so yeah, you have to have boldness to keep to keep keep it happening. And I'm not just talking on the platform. I'm talking about in our lives to to bring truth, boldness. I'm not talking arrogance or crassness, just boldness. Look at another one, integrity. Integrity is important for God's ministers in the church. Of course, if we don't have integrity, we misrepresent him because he is truth. But do you know what? Integrity for God's ministers in the public sector is also important because if they don't have integrity, they misrepresent God. And then people come up with a silly question like, if all of these bad things are happening, then where is God? The reason why they come up with those statements is because justice isn't clear. So we pray for integrity, we pray for safety, and we pray for supernatural assistance. Today is um, the day that once a month, uh, usually the third Sunday of a month, we always uh, set it aside to pray for Australia. And Tony just felt to step it up in prayer and pray uh, for Logan every single Sunday. But uh, for sure, once a month, then we pray for all of Australia and, and different things within this, this public sector, the, the military, um, the lawmakers and the law keepers. I know, and I'm going to have Nina come up and lead us in prayer in that in just one moment I know in this area, I feel very, very strong about it, and, um, and Tony can tell you sometime we'll be driving along and there's a police, uh, like a motorcycle, start driving along beside us and I've got my hand out, Lord, help him today. Ride with him today. Often, and I'm sure the Lord does it on purpose. I'll drive by that police station up there, and here come the police cars. They're 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 going out on their on their their whatever it is that they're doing. And I am right in the I I see it, and I'm there right. It seems like I'm there right on purpose to say, God, give them wisdom today. Help them to be smart today. Help them, give them your mind today. Sink through their mind. Help them today to be bold when, when evil is in their face and taunting them. Give them boldness. Help them not to succumb to bribes. Help them not to Sacrifice integrity. Help them not do that. It's in their face all the time. I had a policeman tell me one time. I asked him about this. He said, Every day there's opportunity to do the wrong thing. So a lot of times we back up from the church and say, Oh, I'm telling you what, the church, come on, let's step up and let's help them. Let's pray for them. God, help them be strong. You say, Well, they're not even Christian the Bible knew that when it said that we're, we're supposed to pray for them. We're the church. Amen. Let's pray and encourage integrity, safety. Lord, ride with them. Angels, you ride with those guys. No evil comes near them. Help them to supernatural assistance. Those same, that's those same angels and supernatural help from God, these guys are going to be in the right place at the right time. They're going to see things that they wouldn't have seen otherwise, going to hear things that they wouldn't have heard otherwise. They're going to come to know things. Hidden things are coming, coming to the light. Do you see what I mean? We can pray. This isn't just a once-a-month prayer time. This is on-the-road prayer. When you're driving by a, a wreck, Rather than just saying, oh, traffic. No, it's, it's like, help those Ambo's, Help them, Lord. Amen? Let's help these people that are these other ministers, these other set of ministers of our great God. He is a God of mercy. He is a God of kindness and goodness. But our God is also a God of justice. And we're safe because of both. Praise the name of the Lord. Nina, can you come and lead us in prayer? Or who? Oh the musos. Musos come, yes. Praise God, if you could
0: all stand. We pray to a God that is alive and well. Did you want to, Lecky? If you could come and just stand, represent the police force and your role that you play, we would just love you to be a touch point as we pray. This morning, our focus is on local government, um, particularly in this area, and we've been asked to um, just to prepare for that. So that's what we're going to do. But. One thing that gets me really excited about prayer is that we have an audience with the King of Kings. If the Queen, Queen Elizabeth came in here, people get really excited and there'll be a whole lot of stuff, you know, anticipation happening. But you know what? An audience with the King of Eternity far exceeds any excitement that I would have about meeting Queen Elizabeth. Hallelujah. So I don't pray, we don't pray throwing words into the wind. We have an audience with him. He hears us. The word tells us that the righteous, the prayer of a righteous man or woman, avails much. Not our righteousness; it's his filthy rags. It's his righteousness. So every believer in the house can pray boldly. I want to challenge you: dare to pray boldly. Dare to ask God for things that are so bold, because His Word has said that He hears us. He not only hears us; He responds. So tomorrow, let's tomorrow. Today, now. tomorrow. Let's just lean into the presence of God in faith as we pray for the local council of Logan City. So I'm going to put up a picture of Luke Smith. He is the mayor of Logan. That's Luke Smith there. There is controversy and turbulence around Logan City at the moment. We won't talk about that because we're a peculiar people. We're a praising people. We're thankful people. We do not accuse. We do not criticize. We do not judge. But we praise and we pray because we know where our help comes from. It comes from the Lord. So today we're going to lift up Luke Smith. Um, In his place at the moment is a woman called Cherie Daly. This is her here. She is the acting mayor for Logan City at the moment. And uh, so we'll lift her up as well, um, as Pastor has taught us this morning to do, And Pastor Patsy. And also there is um, Steve Swenson, I think it is, with a W. Now, he's a believer and he serves in this area. And so he also needs our prayers. So let's pray together. Lift your voices. Let's believe that as we pray, God is making um, mountains move in this area. We are here for a reason. God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us to be planted in this house, in this church, in this community. And it's for his glory. So let's pray. Heavenly Father. We just come before your throne of grace right now in the name of Jesus. And we come boldly, full of faith, knowing that you're a faithful God and that you have planned and appointed these precious members of this local um, um, council. Father, to be people that serve you, to be people that bring order into this community. And so Father right now we ask that you anoint them. We ask that you speak to them. We ask that you sustain them and strengthen them. That you give them wisdom. That you give them boldness. That you work in the area of integrity in their lives. We thank you Father that you strengthen hands that hang down and we command blessing over them right now. We speak your favour. We speak your blessing. We speak your provision. We thank you that the plans and the purposes that you have for Raymer Family Church and Logan City Council far exceed anything that we could ask, think, hope or dream. Hallelujah. So we say yes, Lord Jesus. Yes, Father. Yes, Father. We say yes, Father, to your heart's desire, to your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, in this area and this council. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen
1: just lift up our hands and let's praise the Lord that he's so good and helpful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for helping the ministers of the gospel. And also thank you for helping those that are ministers of justice and right. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for hearing our prayers in Jesus name that we might lead a quiet and a peaceable life and all godliness and honesty. Now, Father God, I pray for us. I pray that we will be more activated than ever to pray, to respond, to act, to speak, to speak the truth, to lift up our voices and speak the truth, not in meanness, but in clarity and in truth. Oh, Father, let the light be turned up in Logan. We declare Logan is a city of light. Amen. Amen. And Brisbane and the Gold Coast and this area. Can we just trust the Lord on that? Amen. Thank you, Father. Schools and and all the different areas uh, and aspects of our society for your presence to give more and more light in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, Father God, we thank you for this time to be together. And when we come together, We thank you that your word is is good for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction. And so uh, whatever the word is that we receive from you, help us to do it. Help us to put it into practice in Jesus' precious name.
0: Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at rhema.org.au. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this
1: one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.